Hello, wisdom keepers and light bringers of the world. Welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jordan, and I'm honored to facilitate a place for us to gather and hear the stories and wisdom from our relations. Thank you for being here. This podcast is listener supported, and we ask that if you find value in these episodes, that you make a donation on our website, therisecollective.org, in service of our continued learning and community building. Before we begin, let's welcome the guardians and gatekeepers. We humbly ask for your protection and assistance today. May our listeners hear what they need to hear in service of their highest good. And so it is. Hi, everyone. I want to introduce you to my friend, Nissa Howard. As a guide, she helps you find the medicine within so that you can heal yourself. And she can help you make your medicine, your own. You can find out more about Nissa at NissaHoward.com. Hi, Nissa. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, Carrie. Thanks for having me. We met a few years ago through Pixie Light Horse. I was in her shamanic skills group, and we came to your house, and you mm-hmm. led us through this beautiful ceremony of making sacred sound instruments. Yes. Yeah. Our very fond of those memories. Yes, me too. In that <laughs> buck. He was um he was at uh, I call he's the uh King Buck of the Scar clan is the medicine he brought. Oh yeah. Still to this day. And that was what, three years ago? Was it? Yeah. Yeah, three or four uh, years ago. He is still the most heavily scarred I've ever worked with. It's so cool. Yeah, he was a warrior. Is a warrior. Yeah. Yes. That was awesome. Yeah, that was such a wild and like oh I don't know, for me it was like a heart opening, mind opening and very earthy experience to guide that group of women that day. Yeah, it felt like we kind of went to another dimension while we were (laughs) doing that work. Can you talk about how you think of yourself as a wisdom keeper and a light bringer and how you're bringing that medicine? I keep my own wisdom. Like I have this kind of... um, It's it's almost like... It's not a treasure chest. It's more like... um, it's like a hall of records within me, but it's more of a um, beautiful landscape where I just, like, all my experiences and um, all of the different things I've tried and the different paths I've taken and the course corrections and the U-turns and the, you know, the <laughs> speeding freeways, like, every... I I feel like being a wisdom keeper has to be like a personal responsibility before it can be a cultural or societal one for me. And I find for me that I can really only make changes that are in me and closely around me in my own environment, right? So for me, being a wisdom keeper is like, look, am I keeping my own wisdom in check? Am I utilizing my own wisdom? Am I listening? And when I can say yes to those things, then I feel like I can share them authentically. And that's how the wisdom keeper for me can get translated out into the world. But at first it has to start with, well, am I keeping my own wisdom? Or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, keeping, as in like housekeeping. Am I keeping house of my own wisdom? Am I listening? I think the am I, well, that's going to be something I probably say a lot is like the listening part. So I'm not listening. And I'm not acting on what I hear. Then yeah, I'm, I love that distinction that it's a personal mm-hmm. responsibility before it's a cultural responsibility. And what really comes to mind for me when you're talking about the housekeeping of your inner wisdom is integrity like are you living in integrity with the messages that are coming through and are you housekeeping 
all, everything that's coming through so that you can integrate it and so that you can share it. Exactly. And here's a funny little, like, ha-ha, of course, because um, you know me, I always got to put some sass on everything, <laughs> like hot sauce. It's just Mrs. Sass. Um, you know, qu- I have found that quite frequently and more often than not, the sacred listening conversation with myself go, what? No. I don't want to. Oh, man. Like, crap. That's kind of the dialogue. It's like I get this inner wisdom and I know that it's true and I'm like, and I can see the wisdom in it and then I go, crap. So it's not like, for me, anyway, it's not like my sacred listening is this absolute beautiful yacht that I just sail across the rivers of my inner, you know, oceans with. It's quite frequently this, like, are you kidding? Ugh. Yeah. What and I think that... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, what comes to mind when you're talking about that is um, the circle that we were in when I received a, a message in a journey that my relationship wasn't right for me, and you were there. Oh, I remember. I was sitting right next yeah. to you. That's right. Yeah, and um, I, did, I didn't listen to that for a while. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of just, um, I got this um, feeling from you that, that just this knowing from you that you were just going to let me have my experience and, mm-hmm. like, ignore it for a while. And mm-hmm. you also had this knowing that, like, eventually I would have to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so funny. I never knew that you knew that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I and you're not the first person to have told me that. Like, oh, I could see, and I'm like, I. But that's, I. Look, I don't like being told what to do, and I don't like being tolded that tolded told my way is wrong or I should do it another way. I kind of have a fuck the shoulds unless it's something that I that should comes from within me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore, I, I, I hold a, a desire to be the kind of leader I want to be led by. So I tend to be a little bit like, no, I get it. And plus, everybody has to go through stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way, you can see what's going to happen for somebody, but until they get there, uh, like, my, I just love being able to love them through it. And watch them empower themselves it's so beautiful yeah yeah every everyone has to go through their own journey and you like you say it, like it says in your bio you're just a tra- the trail guide yeah and so where let's talk about your path where okay. where did you start where did this work come from and um i'd love to hear you talk about I've heard you talk a lot about your childhood in the wilderness and learning to hunt and learning all the yeah. things you've learned and how that has influenced <laughs> your path as a, as an adult. Well, my up so yeah. See, this is always such an off road communication story for me. So bear with me. Um, my path as this kind of you know, gentle, badass soul crafter, right? Like, mm-hmm. came, I, I think, started when I came into this body. Like, I I cannot think of a time in my memory or my, my felt sense of being that I didn't have this inner dialogue, this, ability to see things others didn't, the ability to observe so much more than what was being talked about and um, see patterns and auras, you know, all the woo-woo stuff. Like, just it's always been there. And it seems so counterintuitive that also the place that that was most oppressed 
in me, um, some milk on a family sense, you know, and a, and a cultural yeah. or societal sense, is it also the same place where I it nurtured me because I was blessed to live in such, growing up, I was blessed to live in such rural land and um, mm-hmm. culture that our lifestyle was in the woods. You know, we would go, our Christmas tree was um, a day out just, Actually, most of the time it was dad had a login job, so I'd go help him and we would just go on the way home. Hey, that tree looks perfect and like cut it down for <laughs> Christmas. And, um, you know, we would gather our firewood for the winter all summer long up in the woods. And that's like playtime and provisional time. And just that's that, you know, just country living with a lot, a lot of religion and structure and oppression, especially for a very fiery, speak-your-mind, strong-willed woman or girl, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, like, that did not go over so well. Um, and yet, through all of that, it's like I, I cannot remember a time when I wouldn't be out in the woods and I would hear the trees. And I would be out with my dad and watch, and you know, he never admits to it, but I, and he he kind of, well, that's not true, he doesn't flat out admit to it, but he does kind of lean in towards like, oh, well, the tree just kind of tells me, I can just look at it and I can just kind of tell. And, you know, this one needs to go, but that one needs to stay because it's, you know, each tree has a purpose for the bigger whole of that section of forest and and he would sit there and look at a section of trees just a two or three stand section of trees for you know 10-15 minutes like deciding and sounds like he was asking permission in his own way exactly and I saw that and when when it took me until I was in my adult life to actually ask him like what were you doing he's like well I was just kind of just kind of talking to them. But it wasn't like talking to them in the sense that he won't admit that he's talking to them in the way that, because, you know, my mother would absolutely probably freak out on him. Like, oh, that's not the devil. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I was, when we, and when hunting, it's like I just kind of always knew where things were. I could smell them on the air. I could feel them on the earth. Um, I could feel the earth. I could. I remember being little and, you know, being a pusher for for the other hunters because I wasn't yet able to have a tag, and I would just be always the last one <laughs> back at the rigs because I'd just be lost in conversation with everything natural. To me, that was my mama. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what raised me was just the, like, the quote-unquote, quote, voices in my head, because that's what it was displayed to me as. You know, those are mm-hmm. just voices in your head. Um, and it's like, yeah, and they're really real to me. Mm-hmm. So my path has, like, kind of always been there. Um, and it kind of is always who I am. And it when I track it, it kind of goes to this, within me, I feel like, the path of my the business I'm doing, the work that I'm doing, I because trust me, there are times I want to give up, and every time I try to like dismantle things and close up shop, there's this thing inside that says, "No, keep going. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet." And mm, and that so like that, yeah, the work of that, the work of who I am and doing what I you know the who I am is what I do. I track it, and it's always in my spiritual energy body. Mm. And have you ever tried to negotiate with your spiritual energy body? It's not easy to do. So that's why I just keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, can. okay, <laughs> I got I got nothing at this point. I mean, I've got like, I, you know, need some help then. And it always says, that's where the sacred listening um, little sassy pants comes in. And it's like, okay, crap. Um, yeah. So for me, it feels like where it comes from is my experiences and spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, the path, my path is so forked 
and intersecting. Um, it's just, it's so much like maybe a spider's web is the vision I'm getting as I'm trying to describe it. Yeah. And because so I've tried you, so many things. Can you describe what your work is now and what your business mm -hmm. is? So my work is now... Mm, I think if I, well, so I'm, I kind of would be like, well, the bio kind of says it all, but it does feel to me like there, there is something like the umbrella of that or the mama of that. Yeah, I want to say that you lead women through shamanic experiences. And yes. I'm having a desire for you to talk about the bone readings, and the sacred sound medicine. Yeah. Because, like, those are the tools, right? Those are the mm -hmm. things that I do to express the work that I'm here to do, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, what I really feel like what I'm doing, though, is just cultivating that sacred individualist culture that was probably could have been better said because that's redundant, but we're just going to roll with it. And uh, by getting people to to really just be who they are and do what is true, while coming at it, while finding their wholeness and empower and empowerment in who they are, in the wholeness. Because mm -hmm. to me, it's like if you don't have wholeness, you're not you you don't have solid feet on the ground. So I think in like the bone reading, so yeah, I'll honor that with the bone reading. So, oh. hmm. Well, first of all, I have to say the bone readings and making drums and rattles last year literally saved my life. I do not know if I would have been able to keep going without them. Just having some work to do that I could do Mm -hmm. physically, um, but the bone readings are these um, readings that I've, I'm starting to now do them on new moons and full moons, and I'm probably pretty, I hope to, within a year, that there'll be enough movement that I can even open up um, subscriptions for, like, seasonal or the, um, you know, those eight cross quarters and equinoxes and solstices. Yeah. So they um the Lady of the Bones is the <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I'm now like having this human moment of like, do I tell this story? Because this is kinda crazy. Uh the Lady of the Bones is this spirit guide for the bone readings and she began as <laughs> some kind of like Nordic Nordic goddess from a long time ago. Uh, then, um, at, just from what I know for sure, is she was an elk that um, we got to kill. And in that process, with some shattered bones that seemed to be devastating to my husband and I, but as I was releasing her spirit, she was celebrating, and I was like, I don't, like, how? How? She's like, oh, well, that's, that's okay. That's okay. It's like these bones. So like she's dancing and singing. And she's like, you're going to be doing work with these. And at first I thought, okay, runes. Awesome. Right? Mm -hmm. And then, no, no. She's just like, each one of these shattered bones has a perspective. And they work together as a whole sometimes. And sometimes just a few as a team. And these bone readings are just a container of one-on-one -on -one space with me and whoever is on the other end and I guide them through this journey, you know, using the tools of shamanic journey, using the tools of, um, you know, breath and sacred space and leave the bones works on who's ever in that circle with me and the bones will give a perspective, um, it's never the same. There's always 
something different happening because there's always everybody's different and every every month is different, right? Every cycle is different. So mm-hmm. there's just healing and the healing and guidance they are crazy <laughs> amaze balls. Like it's hard to describe because it's n- not like there's, it's not like throwing tarot cards where people kind of like, oh yeah, I understand what that. There's, this is like this. This shit cuts in between the in between and goes straight to what's going on. Even when people, most often people don't even say any intentions because I say that in the um in, on the website. It's like you can ask for something to be spoken about by her, but I can't guarantee it. Because if whatever it is that you have on your mind actually isn't part of the problem that she sees in you, trust me, she's going to go right to what the problem is and not speak to anything you talked about. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of how ayahuasca works. Is it? Okay. (laughs) In my experience. (laughs) I haven't done that. Um, So, like, that's kind of really beautiful to me is that, there is this this connection with this spirit guide that can speak to speak you know for and to and about and with like this package of her previously bodied shattered bones. It's kind of magical, and it still blows me away that I get to do it, yeah, that you were chosen for this. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to think about that too hard because then I'll start crying because it's really truly, um, well, first of all, it's always, well, I'll start crying anyway because it's always an honor just to be able to be gifted an animal's life and death and to be able to, you know, go through that old process of, um, transforming their body into food and their hides into sacred sounds. So, like, just that alone, I'm like, that's an honor. But then to be given her bones and her spirit was like, and I, it just transformed into this lady of the bones. The elk spirit transformed into the lady of the bones. And um, the the my frequent visitors for bone readings, we all, you know, we love her. We Mm. Yeah, she's kind of she's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it is an honor, and it it does sound very magical from how you describe. Yeah. <clears throat> so oh, can you talk me to talk oh. about sacred sound? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so um, yeah, your, what do you want, your you relationship know? with your with the animals that you work with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, relationships I have with them. Um, same one. I might start crying. <laughs> oh crap! Oh well, okay. it's only going to be on the internet. Um, <laughs> Well, it's something that I carry with me all year long, and um, it runs in my bones and my blood. Uh, like I said, growing up, it was like my dad taught me to be grateful when you when you take a life. Like that was never a question. You you are you know take a moment before you start doing the you know the physical work of making that animal into food. I'm trying to think of like really nice ways of saying what we use in our field veneer or field language. But um, you know, always be grateful. Mhm. But what he never explained to me was well that's well what why does that, that whole big ball of light that just came out of its body, what is that? And why is it you know, moving the way it is and why does some of them leave and some of them stay and like just all the things I could see 
couldn't get talked about. Or when I started to ask, it got shut down because, like, oh, you're, you know, oh, they're just seeing things. Oh, that's just probably the wind or the voices in your head. And it's like, okay, and what's wrong with that? You know, like, still want some explanation. Um, So my relationship with them is not just physical, it's spiritual. I... I feel that they're a part of me and I am a part of them. When I when I take it when I hunt and I kill an animal, um they say yes. Like they showed up. I set and there's years I know I'm not gonna get anything because I at the new moon before every hunting trip, I set an altar, I do a journey, I make offerings and there's years where I'm like Nope, not going to get anything. Nobody showed up. So guess what? Just going to be a nice long week of hiking and being in nature. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes it's, um, you know, things like, oh, yeah, you're going to, mm-hmm. I would love to step into your life and um, be a part of your family as you eat me, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to note that when I started teaching myself how to transform the hides um, from these beautiful fur skins to drums and rattles, right, um, that not a year has gone by where an animal hasn't died. Every year since I started making sacred sound, I've had more, and, and like family members giving me hides, and you know, people around me that I hunt with. The land I hunt on is now people who go there to hunt are crazy successful. People who have not been successful for seven years have been getting consistent successes. Now, one might say coincidence. One might say global warming. One might say just migratory patterns. And I say there's absolute magic in animals honoring us when we honor them. Mm -hmm. And that death is just that transition into connection. And so my relationship to them is, is real to me. I can remember every single one. And um, I love, love, it lights my belly on fire to listen to the spirit of each animal that I work with um, guide the circle of their hide being transformed. And they kind of bring in these medicines and these powers that all the other bodies that are made from their hide kind of like get to come from that. It's like they become the ancestors to, so like your rattle that you made in my room here. Mm -hmm. You know, its ancestor is the King Buck of the Scar Clan. And I I love giving them that voice. So my relationship is also one of deep listening, sacred listening. That's where that tool of sacred listening for me is so prominent and precious and priceless. Because I'm not listening I can't hear what their power and medicine is and their guidance and and the you know all the just all that relationship is listening and and giving the them a voice. That's beautiful. So it sounds like your your parents had a really big impact on you in terms of teaching you um, or being the, um, not necessarily teaching you the content, but like giving you the opportunity to learn these ways just through how you lived and um, mm-hmm. like your dad taught you gratitude and um, who, what were, what are your other biggest influences, would you say? Nature. Nature, mm-hmm. and earth, and sky, and the and 
you know, watching the dance of predator and prey, being a part of that is a huge influence. Um, not just watching it. Watching it, of course, is extremely influential, but being a part of it, I, those experiences are my biggest influences. They're so full of power that mm-hmm. they just, they can't not change you. Uh, my husband never hunted before he met me. And so I was blessed with the opportunity to kind of um, provide him that, like, you know, kill integrity and anatomy and angles and, you know, it didn't all, all once, you know, he always kind of liked guns. So, like, that was kind of easy. To, he's now, like, yeah, he just kind of went crazy on knowing all that stuff. I didn't have to teach him too much about that. But, you know, it, even his first kill just absolutely shook him and changed him, you know. Being, yeah, I'm being sure. a part being a part of the the life cycle of life, death, rebirth, um, which I think rebirth is is maybe a little subjective, so we can even just stick to life and death. But Mm -hmm. being a part of that, it changes you. And if it doesn't, please don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I've learned that how we see, like how we see an approach life or death is also how we approach life. Mhm. So yeah. I feel like that's yeah. I love that. Anyway, I really that's one like of the things that. I want to make a like key change. that in right now. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, look for that to be on a T-shirt probably by sometime next year because I've got a whole list of misses that my family keeps telling me I need to put on T-shirts, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's on the list." <laughs> <laughs> but um, my other, I think, and that's like that's the thing is like my influences are nature, and part of nature is life, death, rebirth, cycles, seasons. I, I often just, like, everything I need to know is either within me or right in front of me when it's in nature. And um, I'd have to say my other kind of ex- influences are my challenges and my experiences and um, kind of having to go through the path of shitty people and getting out on the other side. Um, Getting burned is an amazing influence for living better. (laughs) Yeah. And living more, like, whole and authentic and, like... (laughs) So, yeah, I find my biggest influences are challenges and pain and um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we learn a lot when about um about how we want to show up when we have conflict and yeah. maybe we show up not in the way that we want to be and we can like shift that and integrate it mm-hmm. for next time. Mhm. That to me is that's the wisdom keeping piece right there. Mhm. You know, you get to the other side and you're just like okay. That's what, you know, you, you realize, oh, that could have been better. That's a wisdom-keeping moment right there. Right. In my opinion. <laughs> At least, that's how I, like, that's how I roll, you know. It's like all those things for me, they, I just kind of store them in that, like, hall of records. It's a big, beautiful landscape. And all these little pieces of wisdom just kind of, live there and I just need to go there every now and then and be like I need some advice (laughs) yeah (laughs) and here they come (laughs) yeah I love that um you know that I guess that is pretty a shamanic thing isn't it to kind of like journey to another um reality and that's my inner world and that's where I spend most of my time is my inner world Yeah, that's what I'm imagining when you say that. The like it's kind of like the crystal cave. You're yeah. going to the Hall of Records. <laughs> kind of. Right for the, isn't that an Akashic thing? I think. Yeah. Ah. Uh, 
And so that's why I was kind of like, how do I say this? Because from my understanding, it's, it's kind of like that, like where everything can be stored, but it is still very, like, wild and earthy because I'm just, I'm such an earth baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the moon and the stars, don't get me wrong, earth and sky. Um, but I just, like, you're, you know, back to the influences. I, and the, the earth is where I get to, get to learn everything I need. And it's mm-hmm. beautiful to me how simple everything is when you just look at what is true in nature. doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's simple. And I like that simplicity for me, and it really has helped me, um, I don't know, be, be human in a way I'm proud of. Yeah. So last time we talked, you talked about this combination that you have of like redneck and hippie or some mm-hmm. combination like that. And I just love what you said. And can you talk about, talk a little more about what that is like for you and kind of how you, yeah. how you manage that? It's, Cause it seems, mm. um, like from the outside, it seems like it could potentially be like, conflicting but I think right what you are what you say is that it's not conflicting at all okay and I really well like yes that. both are true both are true so <laughs> yeah so by now through some of the stories I've talked about I come from a very what one would label redneck place and it is celebrated there and it's not celebrated in like pound your chest be assholes kind of redneck way. It's more like, you know, people can drive by the like if you were to drive through a lot of the county I grew up in, some of the judgments that get tossed around is like, how could people live like that? It's so like look at all the junk in their yard. Well to a hmm. redneck <laughs> No no no. That's material for something to be made at a later time, right? And so they're very right. They're very resourceful. I have not Plus met efficiency. Exactly, exactly. Off of the things that they have, and the things that are around them, not going out and accumulating crap and junk. No, you use what you have on hand. They're very resourceful. Um, they're a little rebellious. Actually, and I say that lightly, they're freaking crazy rebellious. <laughs> that's, I think that's why, like, rednecks kind of get a bad name is because they're unapologetic about it. But I love, as a sacred rebel, I love that power, that energy. Granted, everything has a medicine and a poison, so I'm not saying, you know, nothing isn't, out of balance in certain areas of of redneck culture. Well, my point is the label of redneck gets like this one kind of set of ideas and images in somebody's head. And then you have the hippies, right? Where the hippie side of me, so this redneck side, it's like, dude, like I may live in, in a town right now, but, I mean, Carrie, you've been here. Did you see the scrap metal pile? Maybe not. We didn't spend a lot of time outside. But, like, I've got kind of this, like, suburban redneck thing going if you look around our house. And we have, mm-hmm. and it has served us well. Um, yeah. My, hus- my husband's been able to make car parts that we just didn't have the money to buy. So, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway. Rednecks like to kind of have, like, they want to be able to just kind of do things their way off their land, and they're very resourceful. So, you know, use things on the hippies, the hippie side of me. Like, then I'm like, and I want to, like, make my little herbs, and I make my tinctures, and I make my, you know, you go into, like, the herbs and the herbs craft, herb craft, and, you know, being connected to Mother Eight. Mother Earth and nature and respecting it and learning from it and honoring it. Again, typically the label of hippie lives very simple, very resourceful. They're not very consumerism. Um, 
they're so and and they they kind of are like like don't tell me I need to go and be like X Y and Z and nine to five and da da da. They go do their thing. So it's funny because for most of my adult life, I've lived in I gotta pick one, either or. I'm either this or I'm that. Because when I'm here in that redneck world, I don't belong. When I'm in hippie woo woo land, I don't belong, and I'm never truly like belong, seen, or accepted anywhere with my narrative. Mm-hmm. And you didn't feel and, accepted or like yeah, belong from from either from either. And it's interesting to me that when and there are kind of these opposing ideas in my like culture. These labels have opposing um, connotations to them. If that does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I felt like so fragmented because it's like I had to choose. And plus, I just spent most of my life just shutting down the truth of both sides and just being what I needed to be where I needed to be. And that's the and, secret individualist. Well, that was that's kind of where the sacred individualist got really born is because it's like, look, there there's got to be something in the middle. And because of these opposing dualities and parts of who I am and they don't belong anywhere, I still wanted to belong. Like, that doesn't go away just because you can logically look at the world and go, I don't belong anywhere. You know, there's mm-hmm. still that desire to belong. So I had to build a story. I had to create a story for myself of where I belong. And I decided to do a lot of, you know, like, okay, well, <laughs> let's find out what this is. And, you know, thank goodness at that time I had a lot of, of my little witchy woo-woo skills. And um, I got to just start creating the story of, oh, I belong in my bones. I belong in my body. I belong in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. I belong in the sacred space that is me. Because I am sacred space. That's where I belong. And that kind of gave me permission. Or so when I when I landed there I could see my wholeness, the light, the dark, as this and, and everything in between as a sacred circle. And if you look at the, you know, the mathematics of a circle, it's 360 degrees and every point on a circle has a direct opposite. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I landed in the sacred space of me. I could see the mathematics of what a circle is. And then I realized I don't have to be either or. I gave myself permission to be both. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And doing... Yeah, me too. And that gave me freedom. And the more I learned to just accept my both opposing sides, um, I could, I'm, I'm learning how to better accept others as when they're on the opposite side of me or they're an opposing force in my life. Then they can be like, oh, okay. Then there's something about, there's something in me that I I need to go find and unearth so I can relate to you. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of trans, that actually echoed out into pretty much everything in my life and it's become one of my very simple and awesome personal mandates is, look, there is poison in medicine, truth in lies to every point on the circle that is the sacred space of me. Wherever there's something that's the truth, somewhere on the other side, it's also a lie. Somewhere inside of me is a medicine, and on the other side of it is a poison. And it's up to me to do what I believe matters in the moment, every moment of my life, to to do what matters so I can bring it to the center and walk through my life, my world, my being in the center of my being. Beautiful. So the redneck hippie thing kind of like started it all. And now it's like, but it's more than that. It's really just about like, look, there is 
there's so much more going on than these opposing forces and these dueling parties. Because if you look at it culturally, they hate each other, the labels, right? The labels. They hate the labels. But they're so yeah. much more alike than they, than, they, than they realize. And their hearts are very much in the same place. Earth, connection, right. living off the land, using the resources wisely. Their right. hearts are in the same way. So I kind of go, am I the only one seeing this? I think I am. Because I think if more people were seeing this, why are we so mad at each other? Because I, I mean, know. I look at so much, I'm like, wait, all y'all, we all, like, wait, wait, wait. We are all so much more in common than you realize. And I kind of get a little country smackdown on it because it's like, however, back to, back to, but everybody has to get there on their own, right? Like you can't force somebody into something or it won't be real. Just be there. Like I kind of just feel like a lot of times I just need to just show up, be who I am, and just let things ride out and just experience what's in front of me and what will happen will happen yeah I think that being a witness to what's going on and holding space for it and um, reflecting and those are all more powerful tools than we realize um, agreed in in that this um kind of duality that we have in our society, and just yeah. yeah, just being there to be a mirror and also just to see what's going on can be medicine, yeah, yeah, so that's um that whole journey there was very helpful in me, like accepting that there's a lot of different sides to me and they're all true. I don't have to pick. And I and I no longer and then that's like gone out in other ways too. Like I don't have to pick a lot of things. I can be both. Which actually not only like one of the freedoms that comes from that is kind of realizing that in any given moment I have a lot of tools um that I've collected along the way as far as like energy medicine and sacred living and like how to just be. And so I have a lot, like, I have a lot of tools I can pull from at any time. And I'm a creative being. I can make shit up to, as I go. If I don't have the tools, well, I will find some, I will do something in that moment to change my perspective because I have another side to everything that I can think right. about before I, re, before I react. And I, I just feel like, and I lost my 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 I lost a really big cool point with that. So instead of trying to like jumble my way through, I just there's freedom in that for me. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it does sound very liberating and very freeing. I really like that that conclusion that you came to. Um so we have a few more minutes. Um do you well first I want you to talk about your daily practice to wrap up and then I want okay. you to promote your um your upcoming offering that you mentioned Must to me yeah. earlier. Everybody practice. Okay. I will be honest that I will since we only have a few minutes, I'll try to make this quick. I have, um, so, well, okay, my everyday practice is coffee no matter what, unless my body is on a sabbatical, but then that's my body, like, I can't plan that. That's always a body thing, and it happens when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but coffee, and then I have kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you the not-so-good one first, and that's usually in I a time when I've got, yeah, like, look, I, I just, the truth is, it's not easy, <laughs> okay? So the not-so-good is when I've got a big project or a big event um, going on or I'm in the middle of, like, some big work stuff that has, you know, and as somebody who doesn't, I don't have a team members. I'm doing everything alone. There's a lot to do, you know, all these little yeah. details that go into creating anything. 
And so that takes just a that's just a shit ton of things to think about and to do list. So when I am definitely in the middle of something like that, my not so great daily practices look like coffee, get to work. Um, and so a lot of my spiritual connection in those times is because I'm doing work. So I'm, I'm getting to do a lot of like channeling and listening and I'm like keeping my skills and of mm-hmm. sacred living honed because of the work I do because the work I do is who I am. Um, and here's where it's not so good and here's where it can get a little poisonous. Um, and then I just also just get drained and overwhelmed because it's not just completely fueling me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know what? I just own that. And the practice, the, my daily practices when it's like on fleek, as the kids say, is coffee. Um, and if I'm up early enough, it's like, I will get my journal and journey while I write. I do a lot of this like fusion of journey, shamanic journey and journaling. Um, I meditate. Then I go for my little morning hike with my beautiful fur baby, um, which is part of a a sacred practice because I like nature and alone time. (laughs) And um, meditate at some point. Um, during the day to break my mind off of crazy train and yoga. And something that is definitely a daily practice for me that happens no matter whether I'm on my wagon or off the wagon of of good self-care and spiritual practice is the sacred listening, Um, telling my stories of now, which is really helpful to me to kind of... um, rewrite those kind of like the stories I tell about the story that happened in my life. So I have like the stories that now keeps me on point there. Um, Really, the sacred sound, honestly, I just like whether it's drum, rattle, or sometimes I'm just singing the energy of of my yoga or the energy of the forest when I'm walking into it. So sacred sound is always like seems to be a, a a daily thing whether I kind of plan it or not. Um, and really just paying attention, looking for that wisdom and messages everywhere because I believe that my, who I am, that deeper part of me is always trying to tell me something. I just need to pay attention. And if I'm listening sacredly to what's inside of me, I will see the sacred outside of me. And that's putting that sacred in everyday life. Because you know what? I've done a vision quest. I And it's like so luxurious on a spiritual sense to be able to step away from your life and do nothing but spirit work for four days. <laughs> like, yeah, really. Right? But it's, <laughs> I agree it's with like, that. it is. Or people who go like to climb a mountain to be blessed by blah, blah, blah. Or... Go away for a you know retreat and with guru whoever, like that's a luxury and they're beautiful experiences, right? They're amazing experiences. My personal journey of life has been it's like next level ninja warrior badassery, sacred living to bring that into everyday life to look at a moment of conflict with your relationship and be like this is sacred too. How do I make this sacred? Right. Like, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is combining mm -hmm. modern life and being part of society with our spiritual lives. It can be such a challenge and, Mm -hmm. and it can be very, um, like that can be medicine for some people. The people yeah. who are able to combine those and bring it to the people that they, in their communities, that is so um, important that there's yeah. people who do that, who combine the spiritual and with our modern mm-hmm. life. Yeah, and I think like the between the sacred listening and self-talk, I think, is a big part of managing that. You asked earlier how I manage the, those dualities. Self-talk is in, is a 
huge part of that. Like giving the talking stick to one side while giving and then let it have its say and then give the talking tip stick to the other side and listen to what those things are saying. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, right, that like that duality within, well, how, that's the duality of sacred and mundane. So how do you bring those two together? Well, give them both a, a, a chance to be heard by yourself in the moment and then do what matters. Do what's, do what's true within the, those two different opposing perspectives. Because what I see happening energetically is when you, you've got that circle of sacred space, right, that sacred space of myself, what happens when I give the talking stick to the troublemaker <laughs> and let it have its say, and then I give the, then I go, okay, you know, it says I am complete, give this talking stick to whatever's on the other side that gives me the chance to actually look and listen, oh, what's on the other side of this troublemaker? or the small maker, or doubt, or fear, or enter whatever you're struggling with. And then you look, okay, so now what is on the other side of this? Boom, there it is. And you listen to it for a while. And sacred listening allows you to listen to both sides of yourself and make the medicine of their, and weave the wisdom into the story that you will create with your actions, by your choices, based on what you're going to go forward with. So marrying the mundane into the, the in sacred into the mundane, I think, for me at least, it's been very helpful to be able to kind of have that self-talk dialogue, that inner world, outer world, inner world dialogue with myself opposing sizes, sides, so I can mm-hmm. then also, like, have the... I guess, model or program or foundation to have that self-talk between me and something else. Like, so I'm out in the store and I'm in the real world and, you know, somebody cuts me off and, you know, I can, you know, yeah, I can totally get a little pissed off about it. Um, and that's also an opportunity to be like, yeah, okay, that pisses me off. So what's on the other side of this? Well... I don't know, it could be anything. Like, it's been a long time since that's happened to me, so I'm kind of, like, lost for what's on the other side because I don't have, like, a real recent experience with that. I should have picked another example. But my point is, like, self-talk. Listen to both sides and choose from what is true in the center. Like, um, one of the things that recently came out of me when I was making some content was, so since there's truth and lies to everything, every point on the circle has a truth and a lie to it. What matters? Like, what really matters? If it's all, if there's truth and lies to everything, depending on what point of view you're standing on on the planet, then what matters? And then I, for me, I, I, I notice I'm having this theme of well, what matters is what I do right now in this moment. Is what I'm doing true to me? Is it something that I can, that I, I believe will make me proud? And there's no guarantee that what I do will make me proud of myself, but I, I am finding peace in myself when I start from a place of, but I'm going to turn my heart towards the intention of, I want to be proud of myself at the end of this. Yeah, you want to be and, integrity, in integrity yeah. with yourself. And I think that being sacred in everyday life has, like, those practices, um, looking for messages everywhere, doing the talking to myself, listening to myself, you know, doing the things energetically with my sacred sound to shift the shit of my energy so I can see clearly, feel clearly, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's, it's also simple, but it's not very easy. Yeah, it is not easy. And so tell us about your your offering. <laughs> I have um, several rattles still available. Um, I have um, some e-books that are downloadable e-books. I call them inner world field guides because I kind of walk you through and guide you through kind of looking at these worlds inside yourself and 
um, offer places to heal and little edges to um, extend out or jump off of or shy away from. Uh, there's that. There's bone readings that can be got or experienced on new and full moons. And I'm going to be doing a at-home rattle-making circle very soon. I'm hoping by the end of summer so I can just um, be able to like hold some virtual space for people um, all over to be able to make these rattles at home and not have to travel to me, um, which I'm really excited about. So if, if any of this sounds awesome to you, the best thing to do is just go to the website and check it out, see what's available now. And, um, That's NessaHoward.com. Yes, NessaHoward.com. And if that really floats your boat, get on the email list because there's a lot of upcoming dates that are in the works. Beautiful. And um, as someone who has participated in one of Nissa's, um Sacred Sound rattle-making circles, I can highly recommend that experience. It's, it's truly an experience and um, very transformative. You're transforming you. the hide of an animal into a sacred tool and you're also going through this transformational product process yourself and so i highly recommend that experience and thank you so much nissa for joining us thank you carrie i really appreciate um thank you